0: Welcome to Great Commission Conversations, a program where we engage in conversation with Bible-believing Christian workers who are serious about getting the gospel around the world. I'm Lee Cadenhead, a missionary to Zimbabwe, Africa, sent out of Cornerstone Baptist Church in Carthage, Tennessee, and your host for this Great Commission conversation. If you're a regular listener to the program, you may have detected a slight change in the standard program introduction As I mentioned last time, our family is preparing to serve the Lord full-time in Zimbabwe, Africa. Having given a brief analysis of the concept of a missionary call, I'd like to follow that up with an account of the Lord's dealings with me personally as it pertains to our plans to serve in missions in Southern Africa. Next week, we'll get back to the standard interview format. But today, I think it would be appropriate to give you an account of how God has worked in my own heart about this business of uh, call to missions and specifically our family serving the Lord in Zimbabwe, Africa. Now, it's not always been crystal clear to me, obviously, how the Lord was directing my steps. It's often difficult to see where we're going to be headed eventually as we're in the thick of life. But uh, as we do get down the road, we can often reflect back on where we've been and how God was shaping a trajectory for where we're headed. And so that's what I'd like to do uh, in this podcast, give you a bit of a narrative of how God's worked in my own life. Paul did this, in a sense, in Galatians chapter 2. He reached all the way back to being separated from his mother's womb. I won't go all the way back that far, but um, I'll begin my story in 2005 when I became the pastor of Ridge Road Baptist Church in Bruton, Alabama. I had not long been right with the Lord. I was just 22 years old at the time. I had been prodigal in my teenage years, but through the gracious and chastening hand of God, the Lord had gotten my attention and uh, recovered me to himself and, and to fellowship with himself. And so when I went to Ridge Road, honestly, I was just thrilled to be doing anything for the Lord. So I'm reading my Bible, studying my Bible, preaching, and of course, um, you can't really dig deeply into the Bible without being confronted with this issue of the Great Commission. And so I began to I began to examine the issue scripturally. Uh, shortly after going there, the Lord also began to send some people my way that were serious about the Great Commission. It was just a couple of months into my pastorate there at Ridge Road that we hosted our first Bible believing missionary a brother that actually was serving in Eastern Europe at the time, and would some years later actually come back to Ridge Road and join the church there and be a great help to me personally in a difficult time in that ministry. And so my my that's really when my life began to become intertwined with missions and with missionaries. Now, the church was a Southern Baptist church. Some years later, we got out of the convention and so forth. But That was my background. I was raised in Southern Baptist churches, and it's not that the the churches in which I was raised was necessarily averse to the idea of missions. It's just that it was very disconnected from the local church. They had annual offerings for domestic missions and foreign missions, but I can't personally remember ever meeting a missionary in all of my growing up years in church. But the Lord began to put me around people that believed In missions. And so I developed a serious interest in missions not long after becoming the pastor at Ridge Road. And one of the things that I went through in those early years of pastoring, uh, about two to three years into my pastorate, I'm looking at the county in which I serve, in Lower Alabama, which is just an hour away approximately from where I grew up in the Panhandle of Florida. And I'm looking at a county in South Alabama that had, at the time, almost 40 Southern Baptist churches. Um, There was not a uh, King James Bible-believing Baptist church in our town of Bruton when I went there. So I, I, I was convinced that there was a need for the church there. But I'm looking at the concentration of local churches at the saturation of the gospel in my area, and I'm looking at the need for the gospel around the world and the availability of good churches or any kind of gospel preaching church around the world, and I began to question in my own heart uh, what my role in foreign missions was supposed to be. I began to seek the Lord as to whether he would have me to personally serve on a foreign field, and actually, at that time, and and I sort of I would say that there was something like a crisis in my own heart in early 2008. At that time, God sent me a couple of of men uh, that were very influential at that moment to encourage me that I was where I was supposed to be. One of those was Kenneth Murphy, who I've interviewed on this program before. Uh, Brother Murphy was born and raised there in Bruton, Alabama. As a Bible Institute student in Pensacola, he had come up to Bruton and preached on the streets there in uh, his hometown, and he actually had a heart to establish a Bible-believing work in the town of his nativity and was unable to do so. The Lord directed him into foreign missions, and he and his family ended up in the country of Germany. And so I, I shared my heart with Brother Kenny at that time and said, you know, I'm, I, I'm, I'm not sure if I'm supposed to be somewhere else where there is uh, less of a gospel presence, where there is a greater need. And he encouraged me, brother, I, the Lord sent me to Germany and the Lord sent you here to do what I would have liked to have done. And so I began to see that I could be a part of the Great Commission From the States. And I still stand by. I want more people to consider foreign mission service, but I do think that there is a place for uh, good, strong, Bible believing churches in the U.S. that will be heavily invested in foreign missions and thoroughly engaged in local evangelism. So in time, God gave me total peace about staying stateside and engaging in the Great Commission from the U.S. So that meant getting involved in missions giving in a a bigger way and in time in in a very big way, trying to encourage our church to get involved in that, trying to encourage other churches to get involved in communicating financially with the need of the gospel around the world. And also it meant visiting different missionaries, different mission fields, The first two missionaries that that I visited personally was uh, Roger Grandstaff in Eastern Europe, the brother that I mentioned had later come back to the States and joined Ridge Road to help us through a difficult time, to help me personally through a difficult time. And on that same trip, I got to see Brother Kenneth Murphy. The Lord began to intertwine my life with missions and with missionaries. And I got the opportunity to travel to the country of Zambia in southern Africa in 2008. This was my introduction to Africa. I was conducting a pastor refresher course at the Kafulafuta Baptist Mission there in Zambia. Now, Zambia and Zimbabwe are like historical and geographical cousins, I would say. Zambia is to the north of Zimbabwe, and at one time in their colonial history, they were known as Northern Rhodesia for Zambia, and Southern Rhodesia for Zimbabwe. That trip to Zambia in 2008 was really formative. It was so educational for me personally in seeing different models of missionary interaction with national pastors and with supporting national pastors with foreign funds, so I got an education in that realm. After completing the Pastoral Refresher Course at the Cthulhu-Futa Baptist Mission. My dad, who was with me on that trip, he and I took the opportunity to travel to Livingston. Uh, Livingston is a tourist town on the Zambia-Zimbabwe border. It's in Zambia. It sits on the Zambezi River, and it is named after the famed missionary explorer, David Livingston, because this is the general location from which David Livingston became reportedly the first white man to lay eyes on the Victoria Falls. He named them after Queen Victoria, one of the so-called seven natural wonders of the world, by some measurements, the largest waterfall in the world. And so we just went over there, sort of an opportunity to see something God made. And while I was there in Livingston... I got an invitation to preach a midweek service for a Filipino missionary that was serving there in Livingston. He had established the Livingston Fundamental Baptist Church. And just this brother's testimony in general sort of stirred my heart about the potential for foreign missions. This man and his brother had been converted under the ministry of an American missionary in the Philippines. And they'd been raised up and trained up under that American missionary in the Philippines, and then they had surrendered to foreign missions. His brother had gone to Cuba. This man had gone to Zambia, and he had established this church and had a burden for the Zimbabwean people because he's seeing this influx of refugees fleeing from Zimbabwe and some of the election violence that was ongoing in the country at that time. Now, I couldn't have known this when I visited Livingston. I'm not sure that I could have found Zimbabwe on the map at that time, but in 2008, Zimbabwe was in significant political and economic crisis. President Robert Mugabe had just stolen yet another uh, election. In 2008, he had, through corruption and his abuse of the Agricultural industry, industry by the reimportion of Zimbabwean farms, he had effectively destroyed the economy. At this time, they were printing 50 billion and 100 billion dollar banknotes, which eventually were completely useless themselves, wouldn't buy a loaf of bread, and so the country was in significant political and economic turmoil, such that many of the expatriate workers, uh, including foreign missionaries. We're needing to leave the country because of safety concerns. And so it was a time when Zimbabwe was actually closed, by most accounts, to foreign missionaries. And so this this missionary, this Filipino brother there in Livingston, is telling me in 2008, brother, we need to be ready to go into this country. It's going to open up soon. These people are hungry for the truth. They're open to the gospel, and there's a great need here. So this man put a burden for Zimbabwe. In my heart, at that time, it would be two thousand sixteen before I actually had an opportunity to go into Zimbabwe personally. Now, I would like to throw in one other uh, one other mission trip that took place in two thousand fifteen, and it was formative for me in another way. In two thousand fifteen, I took a group from our church to uh, South America, and we were with a missionary that really was a was a gifted soul winner, had a big personality, knew how to deal with people, had a burden for souls. That was his strong suit. He was not a strong Bible teacher, and I think that he would have admitted that at the time, but he had a Bible institute, and um, this is part of the Lord's dealing with me, honestly, to, to be able to see and acknowledge and to begin to come to terms with the fact that there is no single gospel minister who is the total package, There's a reason that we are a part of a body, a spiritual body that has different parts and those different parts minister to the whole under the headship of Jesus Christ. One of the things that is important in missions and in ministry is to find out what we're good at. What what are my gifts? What What are the skills that God has given me and developed in me? And how can I deploy those most effectively for the glory of Jesus Christ? And so I got an invitation from this brother to teach in their Bible Institute on a Monday night. And so I started seated at the front of this building, just block building. Um, there are probably 30 plus students in this room on a Monday night. And uh, I start seated. The, the missionary is sitting next to me. I have my Bible open there. And I do a lesson that, that walks from Romans 1 to Romans chapter 8. And I'm basically just doing an overview of the first part of the book of Romans, this the doctrinal section of the book of Romans. And so, and I give them the whole bail in a in a short period of time. I walk through condemnation and justification and sanctification and glorification. And the lesson is building, 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 all the way up to the end of Romans chapter eight and the 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 doctrine of eternal security and that nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And it was pretty clear shortly into this lesson that these guys were getting it. The Lord was turning the lights on for these men and they were hanging on to every word and they were understanding the way that this book is put together and the, and the power and beauty and the glory of the gospel of Christ. And uh, by the time I got to the end, the climax of that lesson at the end of Romans chapter 8 I am having to yell the lesson, the preaching, into the ear of the missionary. He is having to yell the translation over the hoops and the hollers of those that are, that are gathered for this lesson. I mean, and we're all on our feet before this thing is over with. It was, a, it was an otherworldly, divine kind of experience. It's something that you would have had to have been there to really appreciate what the Lord was doing. That was a beautiful experience, but God definitely, clearly dealt with my heart at that time about having an expanded cross-cultural international teaching ministry. Uh, I, I became aware of the fact that the need around the world is not limited to evangelization. It's not limited to a pioneering type of effort where we're giving the, the gospel out in places that it had not previously been published, but among the needs around the world is for good, sound doctrine among those who have already been evangelized but have not been exposed to the richness, the doctrinal, theological richness of the Word of God and their identity in Christ. And so the work of missions is not limited to evangelism. It has to do with church planting. It has to do with discipleship. That's another major part of the Great Commission, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, Matthew 28, 19, and 20. So um, I, I got a burden in my own heart for, for teaching men who might not otherwise have access to the rich doctrine that has been our inheritance as Bible believers in the United States. one of the things that the Lord dealt with me over time and allowed me to see is that I wasn't i'm not a I'm not a big personality. I'm not a joke telling preacher. It took me a long time to figure that out, but I'm not into telling jokes I just some people can't tell a joke. I'm not a storytelling preacher. I like to hear preachers who are good at telling stories. I'm just not one of them. my strength, my gift. Is taking a text, taking a verse, taking a chapter, taking a book, breaking it down, looking at the structure of it, running the cross-references, doing the word studies, seeing how the thing is put together, and expositing Scripture. And um, what I learned over the course of years is that when you're in a cross-cultural context, most of the time, your jokes are not funny and your stories don't make any sense. But what works everywhere around the world is the Word of God. And so uh, that that is something that the Lord worked in my heart to see that I had something to offer um, because of what he had put into me. I had something to offer in a cross-cultural context like that. So in 2016, I got the opportunity to go into Zimbabwe. I was working with a good national brother that um, there in Zimbabwe that had a heart for these rural, theologically underserved and neglected places in his country where they didn't have a lot of access to good Bible teaching and preaching, and so in 2016 I was in two different villages with this national brother, and I just taught. I taught through the book of Ephesians. I distributed outlines of the book of Ephesians. We did uh, sessions in the morning, in the afternoon, and at night. Reportedly, uh, in in a place called Vumba, this would be in northwest uh, Zimbabwe, not too too far from. The uh, border with Zambia. Um, I was the first white preacher, white missionary, to enter this village in a couple of decades, reportedly. Now, it's not important that I was the first white preacher, but it does. That illustrates the fact that this is an area that has been rather underserved, and and to be honest with you, the the national. Uh, preachers in the larger areas and the more populated areas had had neglected this place as well and there's a hunger for the truth and there's an interest in what the scriptures say and they'll they'll sit they'll sit down and they'll listen for protracted periods of time they'll ask questions if you can as a rule if you can show it to them in the bible they'll believe what the bible says and um another thing that is that is really interesting and this fleshed out not only in 16 but also when i was Able to return in two thousand eighteen, in these rural areas, the meetings end up being interdenominational. Now, I'm am a Baptist by conviction, but um, I'm a Bible believer, and that's even more important to me than being a Baptist. I'm uh, I've arrived at certain Baptist principles because of what the Bible teaches, but I'm not a super Baptist. I will preach and teach to anybody, and what you have in these meetings is you actually have you actually have. Uh, apostolic church people showing up. You've got uh, Pentecostals coming. The Seventh-day Adventists come to these meetings. Methodists come to these meetings. Salvation Army, another denomination, they call themselves Israelites. So all different kinds of denominational backgrounds are represented here, and they're all open to listening to the truth of the Word of God. So in 2016, I was in two of those villages, Total uh, attendance between the two meetings was about 450 people. One of the things that I encountered, one of the needs that I encountered in the course of that trip, was a need for Bibles. I'm teaching through the book of Ephesians. I get to the end of that, covering the whole armor of God as found in Ephesians chapter 6. And I got to preaching on the sword of the Spirit, but virtually none of these people had a copy of, of the Scriptures. There were a handful of preachers that had a Bible. Otherwise, nobody had a copy of the word of God. And so it's something that in that first meeting, we, we joined our hearts in prayer and we called out to the Lord and we asked the Lord to provide scriptures for those that were in attendance so that they could engage in spiritual warfare and wield the sword of the spirit as they're instructed to do in Ephesians chapter six. After returning to the States, I began to do some research and try to find out if there was if there was a Bible available to these, that I could obtain for these people. And I learned that the Trinitarian Bible Society had recently, the year prior, I believe it was, they had published a new translation of the New Testament from the proper uh, manu- underlying manuscripts. I was able to reach the TBS liaison in Harare. He said, Well, we had we have done a, a distribution of New Testaments last year, but there are still a few of these New Testaments on hand here in Harare. Let me see how many there are and I'll let you know. So he checked on that, what was remaining of that container, and there were four hundred and fifty New Testaments there in Harare. So we paid to have those transported out to those villages. The exact number of New Testaments as uh, participants in those two meetings. So it demonstrated to me at the time God's interest in these people, uh, God's interest in getting the truth of His Word to these, to these people. One of the other things that was really interesting on that trip, as I, as I moved from one village to the other for the second conference, I was actually traveling on the Lord's Day. I try not to do that. I try, of course, to be in church on Sunday. But there was not a Baptist church for us to attend on that particular Sunday in the village that we were ministering in. They were having a large soccer tournament, actually. I say large. It was large by my, by my perception, given the smallness of the village. There were four or 500 people in attendance, probably, at this soccer match. And the brother that I was with approached the officials, said, I've got a a visitor from America here that would like to address the crowd at the halftime. And they allowed me to preach to everyone in attendance on short notice from Genesis chapter four, preaching the gospel from the story of Cain and Abel to four or 500 um, of these soccer fans. It's just a great opportunity and a great openness to the word of God. So it was a, that, that was a tremendous experience, and it set my heart of fire for that country. And it, it compounded the burden that uh, that Filipino missionary in Zambia had put on my heart eight years earlier. I got to go back to Zimbabwe in 2018. This time, we were supposed to conduct a national conference in the third largest city of Guayru. We'd shipped a container of 340,000 John Romans in Shona, along with 5,000 plus other biblical and discipleship books of different topics. And we were going to distribute these among church leaders. We were supposed to have five or 600 church leaders, pastors, deacons, their wives, gathered for a, uh, a national pastors conference in the city of Gueru. Unfortunately, just before we were supposed to go, there was a, an election that was somewhat botched, Back in 2018, in 2017, after 37 years in power, Robert Mugabe was deposed, but his political party remained in power, and there were claims in the special election of 2018 that there was uh, voting irregularities, and they delayed the announcement of the election results. There were protests in the street. There was automatic machine gun fire into these unarmed protesters. People died, and it was not safe to conduct this uh, national conference. So we divided our team up into different uh, rural areas, and we just multiplied our rural efforts, which was already on the agenda. And again, such an openness, did some more evangelism through sport, taught through the the book of uh, Romans, some taught through the gospel of John and uh, walked through how to utilize these books and dis- then distributed them among church leaders. In some cases, we actually took folks out and uh, tried to do some personal work utilizing the John and Romans. So it was a good trip. And again, uh, a real educational opportunity. One of the things that I began to do at Cornerstone, I suppose I should back up a little bit, I transitioned from Ridge Road Baptist Church, where I pastored for 12 and a half years, to Cornerstone Baptist Church in early 2018. At the end of the day, I knew that that is what the Lord wanted me to do, and it was a matter of obedience, but one of the calculations was being more involved in worldwide missions. Cornerstone has got a tremendous missions program Pastor Ron Ralph is very much missions-minded, a lot of resources invested into the work of worldwide missions from Cornerstone, and so it was an opportunity for me to have a greater personal investment in missions and in missionaries to do more uh, mission trips, to do more mission training. So in the last three years or so, I've read two or 3,000 prayer letters in connection with just the supported missionaries um, that Cornerstone supports. There were a dozen missionaries sent out of Cornerstone. We hosted a mission school that I helped to coordinate in 2019. So, uh, and, and I went on a, a series of different mission trips, sometimes by myself, sometimes, sometimes taking others. In any case, one of the habits that I developed when I would take a mission trip is I would prepare a trip report for my pastor. And I, he didn't ask me to do this, just something that I did to help me to reflect on uh, the outreach, on the opportunities, how, what was accomplished, what could be accomplished in future trips and so forth. And one of the observations that I made in 2018, and the Lord reminded me of this in late 2020, was that there is value in short-term mission trips. That's been something that has come up repeatedly here on Great Commission Conversations, the benefit that a short-term mission trip can be to an American church to an individual Christian who's developing or trying to develop an awareness and a burden for foreign missions. And uh, foreign mission trips have been life-changing for me over the years. But short-term mission trips are limited. And so this is the observation that I made in 2018. While there is profit in short-term mission trips, while there is profit in strategic partnerships with national pastors and national churches, there is no substitute for our traditional approach to missions, which involves sending men to foreign countries to learn the culture, if at all possible, to learn the language, to invest their lives in national leadership, and to nurture biblical churches from the ground up. You see problems on short-term mission trips that, as, a, as an outsider, as a foreigner, to try to help the church with some of those problems would actually be counterproductive. There needs to be a long-term presence in that community to be effective. And so this is one of the things that I had to take note of in 2018. I got to return to Zimbabwe in early 2020 right before covid hit they were just beginning at the end of january beginning of february 2020 they were just beginning to take uh, temperatures as you were deplaning and so we were unhindered in our trip another brother from cornerstone went with me in 2020 and we visited veteran missionary jeffrey porter who serves in zimbabwe in the city of Chipinge. So we conducted a meeting for the Solid Rock Baptist Church there. Again, a great experience, learned some things from Brother Porter, got to see his work and his heart for those people. And there's little doubt in my mind, as I reflect on these happenings, that Brother Porter was praying for some help, that he was praying that the Lord would send forth labors into his field of service, recognizing the great need that existed there and one of the things that that developed as I was there in Zimbabwe in 2020 is as we were driving from the capital city of Harare, where we flew into, down to the city of Chippingay, where Brother Porter serves, we passed through, of necessity, we passed through the city of Mutari. Mutari is the fourth largest city in Zimbabwe. It's got a population of about 180,000 people, around a quarter of a million people or so in the metropolitan area. And it, it's hard to explain. I, I had no inclination up until this, up to this point that the Lord would send me anywhere. I didn't go to Cornerstone to go anywhere else. But I was strangely attracted to this city of Mutari. I actually began praying that the brother that was with me would, would go himself to the city of Mutari. It did not have a good Bible-believing church from, from the research that we did. And so there's a there's a need there. It's beautifully situated. Um, it would be a, a a good base of operations. Try to establish a good Bible believing work there and and work out into the rural areas or uh, do other kind of itinerant ministry. So these things were sort of racing through my mind there in 2020. After that trip, the brother that was with me was actually interested in the country of South Africa. We got to make a Short trip down to South Africa, see a missionary that we've supported for a long time outside of Johannesburg, and then made a short survey down to Cape Town. Uh, While we were in Cape Town, I was actually preaching on the street in Cape Town, uh, standing on this this concrete pillar at a bus stop, preaching to those gathered at the bus stop and those uh, attending the nearby businesses and just those that are wandering around the beach there, And I had the opportunity to engage some cab drivers, some taxi drivers in a gospel conversation. They actually were of a Seventh-day Adventist background. And I was able to open my Bible there on the street. They gave me the time. I was able to walk them through the book of Galatians and show them the role of the law, the limitations of the law, the relationship of the law to the gospel. It's a great conversation. It turns out, there I am in Cape Town in South Africa. Where do you think those... Cab drivers were from. They were Zimbabweans. So, again, I couldn't put together what the Lord was doing at the time, but um, it became pretty clear to me later that the Lord was trying to get my attention. Of course, COVID hit after having a lot going on teaching Bible Institute, teaching Sunday school, uh, preaching meetings, doing missions travel, um, went from having a lot to do to having almost nothing to do. And uh, really, it was a time, it became a time of soul searching, and it became a, a, it became a time of uh, where God was giving me an education and contentment. And I really believe that that was one of, the, one of the tests, so to speak, that I needed to pass before the Lord would deal with me about foreign missions. And then in October of 2020, missionary to New Guinea, brother by the name of Will Muldoon. And if I'm not mistaken, brother Will Muldoon went to a very remote, primitive place in New Guinea at the age of 61. He's been there for over 10 years now doing a great work. He was preaching at Cornerstone. I couldn't remember the particulars now of what he was preaching, but that whole question about my role in foreign mission service that I had dealt with some 13 or 14 years earlier came flooding back into my mind and heart Upon reflection, I'm trying to sort through these thoughts and these emotions. Whereas back in 2007, 2008, I feel like I was sort of seeking the Lord about my part in foreign missions. I believe that in 2020, it was the Lord that was seeking me about my role in foreign missions. And whereas the answer back in 2008 or so was a clear no, I got clear peace and guidance that I was to stay in 20 at the end of 2020 i got clear peace and guidance from the lord that i was to go i took the next uh, two to three weeks to meditate upon these things in my own heart and then i approached my pastor brother ron wants the will of god that's that's what he wants he could see the hand of god in it and uh gave me the counsel and the encouragement that i needed so in early 2021 i announced to our home church there at cornerstone that our family would be making preparations to go to the foreign field of Zimbabwe. So here's the plan. Uh, The plan, when we get to Zimbabwe, we're going to base out of the city of Mutari. I would love to see a Bible-believing work established in the city. Um, There may also be opportunities to do something in in the outlying rural areas. We'll let the Lord lead. We can immediately begin to engage in evangelism and discipleship, the country of Zimbabwe has got three official languages, English, Shona, and Ndebele. The area where we're at is predominantly Shona-speaking. English is the language of much of the government and educational uh, systems there. And so many of the people are acquainted with English, and especially that's the case in the city areas. The further you go out, the more rural it is, the less acquaintance with English there is, and the, uh, the fewer English speakers there are. But while while we can operate in English immediately and communicate, that's not the language that they speak in their homes. And so um, it would certainly behoove us to develop an acquaintance with the Shona language. And so we would like to do that. We would like to labor in the language and develop at least some conversational acquaintance in Shona so that I can understand what my translator is saying that I'm saying. That would be beneficial. And what... Um, The Zimbabweans are saying between themselves about me. That would be very helpful as well. So we'll get engaged in local evangelism outreach there in Mutari. There's a great open door for evangelism. They'll they'll take the gospel literature. They'll stop and listen oftentimes as you preach publicly. The schools are open to evangelism. Sporting events are open to evangelism. I've been involved in this for many years, so we'll just continue to be involved in public outreach and evangelism when we get to Zimbabwe. I would also like to be, obviously, involved in church planting, as mentioned. There is a young man that um, I met at Brother Porter's church in early 2020, and at the end of 2020, he actually graduated from their local church, Bible Institute, And he's a fine young man, from what I know. He can sing, lead singing. He can preach. He's a powerhouse public preacher. And God put it on his heart. Before he knew that I was going to Mutari, before I was aware that he was interested in going and doing anything anywhere, God put the city of Mutari on his heart. And so if nothing changes in between now and then, we'd like to labor together with this national brother that knows the language, knows the culture, be a help to him. No doubt he'll be a help to us. Of course, we don't have all this stuff figured out. We'll have to wade into it and and work at those relationships and sort of feel things out. Uh, what I would I have already pastored, it is not critically important to me that I pastor in Africa. What I would love to do more than anything is help some other man to pastor confidently and competently to to I would love to be the second man from the beginning and I'd love to do that again and again. So we'll see how things go, but that's the that's the goal and then The other element of of the ministry that God has given me a vision for, and the thing that's perhaps nearest and dearest to my heart, is uh, having a teaching ministry and training men for ministry. I've been involved in this for years. I've put together a a good deal of Bible Institute material, college-level type of uh, Bible training material, and so... What I would love to do is to develop a, an itinerant Bible teaching and leadership training program. The interview that I conducted with missionary Keith Stensis to Uganda was very helpful and informative in thinking through how we might be able to do what he's done with his triannual Bible Institute in Uganda to replicate something of that nature in the country of Zimbabwe. I already have some of those contacts. I already have some of those open doors. And so would, I, I, I think I can have an itinerant ministry that's, that's very fruitful and busy for that matter. But what I'd love to do more than anything is take Bible training, Bible Institute, Bible college training to strategically located rural areas where guys that are not going to go to the city to go to a Bible college can come out and get biblical instruction so that they can better feed the flock of God where they're serving. That's what's on my heart. One of the exciting things that I've watched developed, and I've given you a few of these stories along the way that I think help to illustrate God's care and concern and interest in the Zimbabwean people. But my awareness of that is just compounded since surrendering myself to go to this field. There are others interested in this place. I hope that it develops into a team effort in all honesty. And I think that the Lord is perhaps putting something of that nature together, even within our local church at Cornerstone. Just since I announced that our family was going to be preparing to go to Zimbabwe, I know two missionaries that are preparing to send containers of scriptures into Zimbabwe, and those two men aren't even acquainted with each other. They're, the, the, this is unrelated and unorchestrated. It demonstrates to me that God is doing something In this country, I think the prospects for us gaining entry and getting the needed permits in the country are promising. And between the containers of literature, the other interest in service in this field stateside, the brother that has made himself available to assist us when we get there in Mutari, the other national brother who has caught our vision for doing the itinerant Bible training. I think God's putting something together that I'm just really... Really excited to be a part of. So, God has a heart for the Zimbabweans, and He's prepared my heart to express His heart for the people of Zimbabwe. And I hope that you'll pray for us. If you think about it, I appreciate you uh, listening to me work through, walk through our calling to Zimbabwe and what the Lord's doing in our life, in our ministry, in our family. As for Great Commission Conversations, I will continue to record these interviews and publish uh, these podcasts as long as I'm able to. Obviously, I'm gonna be around quite a few missionaries over the next several months. The plan is to raise uh, support through the end of the year and then uh, make our transition to Zimbabwe in January or February of 2022. And in the meantime, we'll continue to conduct these interviews and be students of missions and pass along those lessons to you, our listeners, as we have the opportunity. I really appreciate you tuning in today and thank you for your interest in the podcast. Thank you for your interest in prayers for our ministry and our efforts in Zimbabwe. You can subscribe to this program wherever you receive your podcasts. And if it's been a blessing to you, please feel free to invite others to tune in. I welcome your feedback. You can write to me at Conversations at gmail.com. And until next time, let's do what we can to preach the gospel in the region's beyond.